Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Goodison Park. Everybody and welcome to the latest edition of the Royal Blue Podcast. I'm your host, Conor O'Neill, and this afternoon I'm joined by Gav Buckland, Chris Beasley and Joe Thomas. We'll look back on Everton's disappointing 3-2 defeat to Burnley on Wednesday night, the Premier League relegation battle that the Blues currently find themselves in, and tomorrow's huge Goodison Park clash against Manchester United as the Blues look to move away from danger. But there's only really one place to start, and that's at Turf Moor on Wednesday night as the Blues dropped them closer to the dreaded line. Um, ahead of the relegation battle to avoid the draw. Joe, it was your first out as the Echoes Everton correspondent at Turf Moor on Wednesday. It was quite an eventful game, but one of Everton come out on the wrong side of. Absolutely. I mean, I know it's a, a horrible cliche for, for us in the situation that we're in, but it's a type of game that if you were neutral, you'd have probably quite enjoyed it. Obviously, you know, we're, we're partisan here, and, and sadly, the reality is that result was a disaster. I mean, the way football is... If the game had finished five minutes early, we're walking away with a two-all draw. I thought there were some positives to take from it. You know, I think one of the things that Everton have really struggled over the past few months is, is is to deal with adversity. And, you know, like I wrote after the game, I thought actually in this game, obviously they went behind early and they came back into the game and took control of it. And even after Rodriguez scored that second, Everton for the next 20-odd minutes looked like the team that was more likely to grab a winner. But as it's transpired, somehow they've 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 conspired to to lose another game, and all of a sudden, you know, the daylight that was between us and the drop zone has completely disappeared. And you know, we we head into a weekend where there's every chance we could come at the other end of it and possibly be in the relegation zone. Bees on, like Joe, you're a seasoned pro when it comes to covering Everton Premier League games <laughs> up and down the country. <laughs> but just how demoralising was Wednesday night's defeat? I mean, you know, we've we've been here before where Everton suffered, you know bad results on the road this season in, in itself, but just how demoralising it was when, when the finals went to take more on Wednesday night. Yeah, I mean, a start, I mean, there, there aren't many positives you can take from it, but like West Ham, West Ham was much better than what they'd had before the international break. Wasn't wasn't difficult, really, given that, you know, the way it was against Crystal Palace. And this was better still, I thought, in terms of the performance at, at Burnley as a whole, like Joe said. You could see man for man, there's far more talent in, in that Everton side. And that's what we've kind of been saying all, all year. But as a team, Burnley were better as a team. And that's the, and that's the that's the, uh, the crux of it, really, because they all knew what they were doing. And obviously another goal from a set piece, corner kick, simple. And as Joe said, they actually did the hard thing, turned the game around, two penalties, VAR for once, going in Everton's favour. Burnley weren't happy about it, but I, I, I thought on second... Look, you know, once once the you know Mike Dean had gone over to the, the monitor, I thought it was pretty clear cut, and yeah, two one up at half time, and then even um, even a draw, yeah, like I said would have been a positive result, and that it would have stopped Burnley from from closing the gap. But I'm just concerned that those words that Sean Dyche said, there's a lot of truth in them. Unfortunately, I think he's he sort of used those words twice. There, he's used them to inspire his own players at half time, and obviously did have a galvanising effect. But we're going public with it afterwards as well as blowing his own trumpet and saying, yeah, I told the boys. But he's quite right. He's using every trick in the book there. No, the mind games. To put the seed of doubt into Everton players. You know, we as opposition, we know you're mentally weak. We know you don't have that game management to see, to see these uh, results over the line. So it's concerning. I mean, nobody at the club is going to say this, but um, they've been beaten in a must-not-lose must game. And that puts, as we say, huge pressure on uh, tomorrow's fixture. Gav, B said they you know, used the word concern. You've long been concerned and Everton in a relegation battle. You were one of the first to, to flag it up and some of us optimists were, were, were thinking that it was all going to be rosy and we'd come off the other side. Are you now frightened that, Everton, the, 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 that the, the real prospect of Everton going down after, after Wednesday's defeat? Yeah, absolutely. Um, as, as Chris said, uh, if, you, if you get beaten a 
if you get beef from two one up in a do not lose game against one of your relegation rivals, that sends out certain signals. I mean, we should be sitting here now all happy having taken four points from two games, which we could easily have done since Sunday. And we would be we'd be looking forward for maybe to building on two decent results for the rest of the season. Thinking probably that actually relegation phase, if not allayed, have certainly been tempered. Um, it's classic relegation team behaviour, isn't it? Throwing away points with stupid defensive errors. As they just said, as lads just said, they're better team than Burnley, even at level level pegging. Be the team going for the victory. We managed to throw it away and. It's what relegated teams do, or teams who, who you know, have got a likelihood of getting relegated do. And the, the worrying thing for me about Wednesday, which I think has been sort of forgotten about, is is that's one of our games in Andover Watford, isn't it? So we've been thinking about how oh, it's Everton and Burnley for Watford are going to go down anyway, so it's between Everton and Burnley for the third place. But actually, that's a game in hand we've lost against Watford. Who we've still got to go to. Yeah. So it's now rather than one from two, it's two from three, isn't it? So we've gone from a 50% chance of getting relegated to a 66% chance of getting relegated. And, that, and that, that's the concern for me. And, you know, we don't need to talk about our next four or five games, do we? So, yes, extremely concerned, extremely worried. And, the good thing is, we've still got a hell of a lot of points to play for, haven't we? We've got a quarter of the season left. You know, so it's not it's not three games from the end. We've not lost to Burnley three games at the end of the season. There's still nine games. I know a few of them are probably not to get much of, but you never know. So, yeah, very concerned. Room for optimism. I'd certainly support what Chris and Joe were saying, is that there was no impression of laying down tools there, was there? And, you know, against Spurs and... Spurs and Crystal Palace, you got the impression, I wouldn't say give up, but certainly that actually the players had lost it. Lost it, not lost interest for once a better phrase. Against West Ham and Burnley, there was never any stage where you thought, oh, the players are, you know, they don't want this. I thought we actually got effort, <laughs> which is what, which is probably, some would say that's a bit more than what we got at Spurs. So certainly there was a lot of endeavour in our performance on Wednesday uh, and fight, but individual errors, you know, wow. Six or seven across West Ham and Burnley cost us daily, haven't they? Bees, you've been following it most of the season uh, for, for the Echo and individual errors, what Gav just alluded to there and touched on. They've been a family of every season and once again, they come back to bank them. Yeah, I mean... Both the second and, and, and the third goal, uh, well, even starting the first goal, you think simple corner kick, how many times have seen that? But for the second goal, yeah, is it was Charlie Taylor, was it just absolutely skinned John Joe Kenny? Um, I think Dominic Calvert-Lewin in the build-up as well, there's been questions about him. And then the third one, Ben Godfrey, who I thought, unfortunately, again, to that point, it's like a bit like Alex Awobi on Sunday, who'd actually played well until then. Um Shanks the clearance and um, yeah, it, 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 how can it, you feel for Frank Lampard in that situation? Because there's nothing he can actually do about that on the coaching side of things. So, you know, something like that, an, an unforced error as it was. And like I said, Ben Godfrey done it. I don't, I don't know what the stats are, but I can't imagine the Everton players have had to head the ball, particularly the defenders, as much as they they did in that particular game. I suppose you know what you're going to get at Burnley, don't you? That's the way it's going to be. And Ben Godfrey has sort of shown everything you need from a defender in that game. He'd even had that marauding run forward and looked decent there. He'd had a good game up to that point. But yeah, he's ultimately going to be remembered on that night for that for that error. And yet again, it's, it's yet another individual error from, from an Everton player, which has, has cost him dearly. Joe? Frank, B's touching on there. Frank Lampard can't be, you know, held accountable for individual errors, but whatever, and keep making them. They've been a theme of the season before he long arrived at Goodison Park. But for someone who was so keen and, and so kind of in praise of five substitution rules being in, brought in for next season and, and bigged it up, there was real interest on, on social media on, on Wednesday night that he opted to only make one sub before you know, his side fell behind. 
he's not being known a manager for making many substitutions at a turn of game level to phase rather than a reactive manager. He's surprised he's not utilised his squad a little bit more in the last couple of games and that a lot of his substitutions have tended to be in response to something going against his side. It's interesting, isn't it? Because obviously one of the many things that Everton have had to deal with over recent weeks is is the suspensions and the injuries. You know, that squad depth hasn't quite been there. You know, I've just come back from the press conference with with um, with Frank Head of the Man United game and one of the things that he was saying is that, that Coleman comes back this weekend and he's, he's, he's available this weekend. He's saying it, it was probably not right to play on, on Wednesday night, but his presence as a leader on that substitute Spence was seemed important enough for him to be included. You know, I mean, obviously Everton have shot themselves in the foot so many times in recent weeks, not just with mistakes on the pitch that have led to goals, but that have met, led to, you know, given opportunities to referees to have players sent off. You look at two yellow cards for Kenny. You look at two yellow cards for for Michael Keane. I mean, it was so risky the first 10 minutes in Burnley. You've got Mason Holgate there playing in centre midfield. And obviously, you know, he wants to make his presence felt, but he clattered into Maxwell Corner in the first 10 minutes, picked up a, a book and you're sitting there, you're thinking, we've had three players sent off in our last three league games, you know, and now we've got a centre midfielder in a six-pointer walking on a tightrope, you know, so I think it's been a little bit of a surprise that, that Lampard hasn't made more substitutes. You know, there's an argument to say, you know, on 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 Wednesday, it was ultimately we can talk about, or in the advance, we did talk about whether it was a must-win game or a, a must-not lose game and it was definitely definitely a must not lose game so on the one hand two each for 20 minutes Evan looked the better side you know they did and you know they, they, for the end of the first half the, the better side as well and obviously three points would have been so valuable you can understand why you'd want to kind of maintain that momentum that they had but you could potentially argue well you know Calvert-Lewin wasn't as effective as we'd like him to be as his story of the season since he returned from injury if you're going to use Rondon, Burnley away feels like the type of game when you might want to do it for the last 15 minutes. Game management, all right, 15 minutes, we might have fancied our chances at getting a winner. But how detrimental was a loser, you know, was conceding a, a, you know, a goal against us going to be? Could he have brought Delph on maybe to have tried to control things a little bit more in, in centre midfield? I mean, ultimately, we don't quite know what's going through, through Frank's head at that time, but I suppose... One of the difficult things when trying to analyse it is, you know, you look at Coleman, who's on that bench, just coming back from illness. You look at Delph on that bench, just coming back from injury. You know, we're not in a position where we know how quite how fit some of these players are. And one thing that Frank's had to deal with is he's selecting from a squad that has just got injuries and suspensions all the way through it. So, you know, how much he can rely on those players at those crucial times you know, is remains a question, which makes it harder when trying to work out whether or not they should have been involved. Gav, Joe just touched on that there in terms of, he said, Frank Lampard relying on players. But is there an argument now that some of the players he's clearly putting all our trust and faith in are letting them down on a, on a weekly basis? You know, the starting, there's a higher number of players who, who, who feature regularly, you know, start regularly. And, you know, Dominic Calvert Loon comes into that, equa- into that you know, equation. You know, Joe Lotte Peace saying Everton, Everton officials weren't exactly impressed with the interview that come, was published on the, the night before the uh, Bayern game, which left a lot to be desired in terms of where his, his future lies and, and what his future aspirations are. But is the Joe said about the squad, no, maybe not being to, to, to pull him through. Is the question at the start eleven can't pull Frank Lampard through and he's almost fighting a lonely battle? Uh, yeah, I think first thing is I don't think not sure about control Cavaloon at the on the time of that interview. Um I believe it was done quite a while back and it's sort of most opportune moments. Um yeah, I think I think if you looked at the team on Wednesday or looked at the last few weeks, there's a few players you could say, well, they're not pulling their, their weight. Well, Cavaloon's one. It was said about a month ago. I felt he's not not happening. Uh Decore is another one who, who's causing a concern at the moment, who's obviously not the player he was at the start of the season. Uh he looks a bit lost. Then we've got our central defence. Um so there's there's four, John Joe Kenny is just well you can see why he's not being offered the contract at the end of the season, can't you really? So there's four or five there. I think 
I think if I was the players, though, what I'd say now and say is, and we spoke about this a couple of weeks ago on the pod, is if you're chopping the change in the team every week and asking players for, to play different roles in different formations from week in to week out, then that's going to cause players problems, isn't it? Simple as. You're not, get, you're not going to allow for any sort of on-field relationships to build, for people to become familiar with their roles and, you know, get the benefit from that. You know, it's quite obvious a couple of weeks ago, Frank should say, this is my best team. This is what I'm going to be playing every week in this formation. And there's constant chopping and changing by Frank has, I think, resulted in some below-par performances by players who maybe not deployed on the pitch that, that best um, to get best use out of the skills. And uh, I think I, I get the, the players' arguments to let Frank down. I'd also argue that Frank maybe has not supported the players as much as what perhaps he should have in terms of consistency and selection and the roles he wants them to perform come, uh, come the day of the game. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You've you've done a piece for the season which people will be able to read online from seven o'clock tonight for Louis Sahar, who's, who's delivered a pretty damning verdict of Frank Lampard yeah. if, if the truth be told. And, and what yeah. Gav said there in terms of you know his tactical swapping and changing and and the, the questions Sahar raised in terms of you know he, he's kind of only got the job because he was available. Do you think mm. Everton now find themselves in a position where they are feeling the effects of a manager in place who's never been in this situation before as a player or a manager where you fight relegation and you need to find a way to to just not lose games and pick points up on the board. Yeah, I suppose it could be a bit of idealism in that respect in that it's a hugely talented player. I'm not even sure if he, he certainly didn't have any relegation battles at Chelsea and they probably didn't have any, to be fair. I might just have to check that on, on West Ham, but I know he was part of a very good West Ham who finished fifth one season. So perhaps although we associate West Ham with relegation battles at times, I'm not too sure whether Frank wasn't involved in any. That might have been just after he left the club, possibly. So... Yeah, he, he mentioned that um, last week and people always... Well, so I think it was in, in, ahead of the Burnley game and he said, uh, people always tell me that I've not been in a relegation battle and I guess that's a good thing. But yeah, I mean, maybe you do, like going back to Sean Dyche again. You know, he, he's been there, he's been up and down, knows the territory, he's got credit in the bank because of that and sort of knows the game to how to play it and, uh, you know, realises that you, you can't always get the results but he's doing things... Uh, at, at the right time, yeah, it, it, it is difficult, I suppose, um, that it, it's not something he's used to. And also, because he was such a great player, you know, the, the most prolific uh, non-striker in Premier League history, you know, somebody with, you know, that shows your medals, him and Ashley Cole. So, being in this situation with players who can't sort of replicate that, I mean, it's all, it's a, it's a, it's a dilemma, isn't it, for all these great players who go into management and uh, you know they, they realise that they're, they're looking after lads who can't always, you know, he's not going into the Sunday league, not going into the pub team, but you know they, they can't always sort of perform on the level or consistency that that he would have done at the, the heights of his career. So I suppose that is a concern. He did point out though that. Um, Paul Clement, his assistant manager, had been at Swansea City, and I think he said they took something like 12 points out the last 15 one season to, to stay up. I don't know. I hope it doesn't come to Everton needing that to, 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 stay, to stay up. But uh, <laughs> certainly welcome that kind of return uh, and from, and from the last few fixtures of the game. So maybe there is a bit of a, you know, one of the things with Lampard is he's got this real sort of trusted team around him. And he's a clever enough guy to have... Um, a lot of good people around them and they all bring different things to, to the table. So maybe, you know, Lampard himself might not have that experience, but he's got a lot of people to lean on. I think it was even suggested to, had he spoken to Uncle Harry Redknapp and he, he mentioned he hadn't spoken to Harry recently. So he's not gone that far yet to try and get pointers from, from Harry. But um, yeah, um, it, it, I guess it is a new experience for him. Hopefully, uh, it'll be the last one, and he he pulls through it. Let's keep our fingers crossed for that one. Joe, looking at the, the bigger picture, then obviously 
Wednesday's defeat left Everton one point above the relegation zone. Watford barely now on the tail. Watford are not too far behind. They both got winnable fixtures this weekend on paper. Everton not so. Do you think, in terms of when you look at the you know the psychological aspect of it, is that a pretty damning result as well for the long term in terms of when you as an Everton player look at that table and look at the fixtures and you're thinking, oh, you know, we could be end up you lose it to yourself early. We could be in the bottom three by Sunday evening. Absolutely, because I think that I mean it, it does a couple of crucial things. One is that it, it gives momentum to Burnley. So not only does it take it away from Everton, but it gives it to Burnley. So they to get a massive confidence boost going into, you know, a game away at Norwich, which is a type of game which if they don't win, then they're probably not going to stay up. You know, that's that's they couldn't apart from Norwich at home, they probably couldn't ask for a better game this weekend. I know Nor- Norwich are going to be scrapping because for Norwich it's truly a must win. And obviously, you know, we've one thing, one of the few positives of, of the last six weeks or so has been the fact that on so many occasions, Burnley have had the opportunity to leapfrog Everton and every single time they failed. Obviously, hopefully, well, hopefully we won't give them the opportunity. We'll get a win tomorrow and and, and you know, then Burnley can't take us over even if, they, even if they win. But sending Burnley into that fixture with the momentum that they'll have gathered from that last minute winner and also their fans as well, getting them behind them. Yeah, that's that's awful for us. Um, you know, it also creates this frustrating situation as well, where that table could look so different coming the end of this weekend. And then obviously you've got, you know, I think we've got a 10 game break or so until we play Leicester. So the, the psychological impact of falling into that bottom three, which is now a possibility over that break, you know, I mean, on the one hand, you could say, well, it gives Frank an opportunity to have the squad together again, to press a reset button, to focus minds, but We've only just had that with the international break, and you know we've we've come back and lost at West Ham, and then we've lost at Burnley. You know, obviously got United tomorrow tomorrow as well. So I mean, they're kind of running out of opportunities, probably running out of plans. You know, we we can't be on Plan A if we're on you know if we're on Plan B now must be Plan C after losing to Burnley. Um, so you know, I mean, I think losing to them. Obviously, it was demoralising for for Everton. It was a huge boost to Burnley, and it's created a situation where, you know, that daylight that did exist between us and the bottom three a couple of a couple of days ago no longer exists now. And you know, it, it could be Everton in the bottom three come the end of uh, the end of Sunday. And I mean, for a squad that is clearly struggling with the psychological aspects of the game, falling into that bottom three will surely, you know, just add insult to injury. It'll be another it'll be another factor in, in, in their minds and it'll be another, you know, it'll just add pressure onto players that are clearly already playing to some extent, it feels like, in, in, in a bit of panic mode. Gav, John will lose it to it there and in terms of it, you know, add insult to injury, almost dropping to the bottom three. But I suppose ultimately at the end of the day, I don't know what themselves are playing. I mean, they have to go on the bottom three. They've not won enough matches. They've not, they've not you know, They've shot themselves in the foot so many times before. But do you think now is the time where after after Wednesday, after tomorrow's match and then the gap between Leicester and week on Wednesday is almost much needed for Lampard in terms of with the back-to-back grueling schedule side of face, he almost needs time to kind of get them away and, and almost hit a re- refresh button and get to work again? Depends on the results tomorrow, I think, as much as anything. Um I don't know. I'm with Joe on it. He's had an international break where we had a lot of plays, didn't we? Finch Farm. I'd rather be playing games. I mean, you know, when things conspire against you, which you just get the impression at the moment that everything is conspiring against us. Whatever happens in football, it's to the detriment of Everton's chances of staying up, isn't it? And I was thinking that this week, you know, they've rearranged the two games for the end of the season, isn't it? Uh, yeah. To- Palace and what's the other one? Is it Watford? Is it? Watford, yeah. yeah, Palace and Watford away. Which which now leaves us with this run of five horrible fixtures. It, it would have been nice to have had. I know, like we can't have Palace, you know, Watford away on Wednesday or Saturday. You know what I mean? To fill that gap. So at least we've got a winnable game amongst four or five games that are just horrible. And the move. So, Effectively meaning that, like, we know whatever's going to happen, it's going to go to the last 11 days of the season, isn't it? 
you know, that, that, that creates a, a pressure in itself. We're not going to get very many opportunities to get, get points. Whilst other teams have, as as you're saying there, you know, Watford have got a winnable game and they play each other, Watford and Burnley at some point, don't they? Um, so, as I'd be playing, I, I think he can talk too much and overthink things and generally, you know, wallow in a pit of self-despair, you know, I think as I'd be getting... If, if I was the manager, I'd rather be getting us on the pitch because if we get beat... 3-0 tomorrow at home. You've got 10 days to, to ruminate over it, haven't you? You know, and think things through. But about all the time, while that pressure's being lumped on you, but no, you can't get on the pitch to try and address mm. that. So, in other words, it's hard to be playing the next 11, nine games between now and the week on Wednesday just to get the whole painful process <laughs> over with. No, but no, seriously, I'd hard to be playing. I, I don't think it's great if Frank and the team are sitting around twiddling the thumbs of Finch Farm for for 10 days, 11 days after the, the United game. I'd rather, be, I'd rather us be on the pitch and looking forward to, to playing again. One of the key positives, I suppose, with with that break is that obviously they have had a lot of injuries. It feels like a good number of players are 75%, 80%. I mean, another 10 days refresh, yeah. replenish. I mean, the, I, I, I suppose... Probably the point I'm trying to get at, providing we don't get any new injuries or suspensions uh, tomorrow, is when when they take to the pitch, or when those teams come out against Leicester, ten day, you know, in eleven days' time. What Frank should have possibly for the first time, because they reckon that Mina will be back as well by that point, is he should have the full squad. At his disposal, yeah. Yeah, with the exception of obviously Townsend and Davis and Patterson, um, you know he will have everything that is there, all the resources available, all the players to choose from. You know you, you'd like, to, and they should all be fit by that point. And obviously, you know one thing that everybody keeps saying to Everton fans is there's enough quality in that squad to get them out of that mess. I think we all probably believe that's true. You know, they they will all be there come Leicester away, thanks to that ten games, unless we have another disaster of injuries and suspensions tomorrow. And that, and obviously we you know we go into another tricky run of fixtures, but at least we won't have the excuses of injuries and suspensions to to moan about yeah. them. At least, yeah, uh, yeah that, that's that's a fair that's a fair point. I mean, I, I get that. Don't don't think I'd say from the last four years is. Whenever Yeri Mean is supposed to be fit, add another four <laughs> lines onto it. Yeah, just saw today's is yeah. ten, 10 Premier League appearances he's made this season out of 29 matches. So. Yeah, he averages 19 a season, doesn't he? Something like that. And yeah, can't and, even make that now. Yeah, I, I think, I think to be fair, if he'd have been fit since February, we wouldn't be, we wouldn't be in this, uh, in this predicament, would we? Because He's by far and away our best central defender, and the other central defender who's with him always looks better playing with Mina. Mm. And he'd probably be captain of the team as well, I think. Um, yeah, so he's been a bad loss. And as you say, Joe, if you can get him on the pitch in, in some shape or form against Leicester, that'll be, a, I think, to everybody's benefit. Bees, you just touched on Yeri Mina then. You've led perfectly into what was going to be my next question to you, Bees, about Yeri Mina's continued absence. When you when you look around at the omens of, of going down and things that go against you, and, you know VAR decisions, referees calls, yeah. etc., do you think that the absence of Mina, you know, Gavin alluded to today, that we probably wouldn't be in the position that we would if he'd been fit? Do you think that's been the biggest kind of Achilles heel for Everton this year that, that the club was just simply not being fit enough times to, to, to be on the pitch and, and, and play for Everton? Yeah, he's not the only one, is he? Um, I think the um, I see Calvert Lewin three goals in three games to start the season and then was out for four months. And then the Corey's had a couple of bad injuries at different times. Godfrey in um, Lampard's first game in charge. But the thing with Mina, isn't it, is the frustrating thing is it just happens again and again. And like we said, Gav's just alluded there, he averages half a season. He, even if he's back in time for Leicester City, he can't even reach those 19 games now. Yeah. And that's a big concern going forward. I mean, we, we were in the position a few weeks ago when we could speculate, should he be offered a new contract or not? But I think... If Everton aren't even in the Premier League, well, I don't think there's any chance of him staying, is there, getting a new contract? But, yeah, it's, it's frustrating because, like you say, he's a, 
such a dominant character in that area of the pitch where Everton have been hesitant at times and bring the best alongside you know whoever his centre back partner is and then he's a, he's a big character I believe as well within within the group and that's why Duncan Ferguson handed him the armband for that that Aston Villa game um, yeah it, it, it's, it's frustrating and it's, it yeah it happens too many times with him doesn't it like just hopefully if he is back Leicester City and he can stay fit for the rest of the season because it's no good is it he come back one or two games and he's back out again so. I know, I know he can't help that, but yeah, so once he is fit, he can he can stay fit because it could make the difference. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. One of the uh, continued messages, Joel, that keeps getting spoken about whenever Everton and relegation are mentioned the same sentences that Everton fans are acquisitioning or, or pulling through. You know, they, they've been there all season. They, they sell out numbers. They're, you know, they're, they're there to support the team. But on Wednesday night after the game, you know, although it was disappointing and you know there was there's a lot of kind of heartbreak around you look at the you know they haven't played very long and felt the flow and the full time whistle went. A number of them, including Frank Lampard, seemingly snubbed the away section as they headed back to the dressing rooms and didn't really show appreciation of the sport support they've been received and have uh, been given. That's surely, you know, got to come into question focus as well, hasn't it? Because you know, you know, Adam Jones alludes to it his analysis for us at, at the Echo, but that's just simply not acceptable, is it? You know, fans have paid hard-earned money to, to go there on a Wednesday night. They've watched the side be beaten again. And at least, you know, Frank Lampard and a lot of his, his players can do is show some appreciation and, and show a bit of gratitude towards what, what was supposed to be for him. Absolutely, absolutely. And the fans were phenomenal again on Wednesday night. You know, you, as the, the press was sat amongst, you know, the, the main core of the Burnley support. But before kick-off, it was the Everton, you know, it was the Everton fans that were out singing them. They, they're the ones that you can... That you, you know, that you can hear above the home crowd, even though they're vastly outnumbered. And that was the case throughout most of the game, even when they weren't winning. You know, I think the supporters, you know, they're, they're, there are no questions for the supporters. The supporters have just give 110% home and away. And, you know, obviously there's going to be, or there, there's a lot already made about how Goodison is probably Everton's strongest asset in this survival campaign now. You know the the home support, you know the atmosphere there. How that could be crucial to getting them over the line in in a couple of, of, of big games. Well, it's all well and good saying that you know they're going to be on our side and they're going to help us. But you've you know it's got to go both ways as well. You know I, I can understand how you know, emotions were high at the end. I can understand you know, Cornet's goal felt like a sucker punch. Obviously, you saw Richarlison in tears. You know, I think it's probably a truth to a certain extent, but a lot of players, the last three minutes of that game may well have been, sadly, the first time a lot of those players realised, oh, wow, this, this could actually happen. Um, you know, and, and, and they may well have been gutted and disappointed, but, but they can't lose or they certainly can't take for granted the... The connection that they should have with the supporters, you know, absolutely not. Because, you know, I mean, we can say it time and time again: the support base. You know, there are so many ways in which you can say it. the support base. They don't deserve the current situation that they're experiencing. They don't, you know, those those fans that stood in the rain and sung for ninety minutes in East Lancashire on Wednesday is, you know, a historic team lost and must not lose game. You know. I know it's only banter and it comes to the territory. They don't deserve to be getting the coaches home and looking on Twitter and having betting companies and opticians and every other rival fan base turning their disappointment into a meme and into a joke. You know, that's that's not what they deserve. And, and that's what they've got at the minute. And it's just, you know, one of the many things that hurts about this Everton situation at the moment, obviously. On the pitch, it's it's on and off the pitch, the situation that they're in really was avoidable. Um the fact they haven't avoided it is is a real shame. And, you know, they're going to be relying on those fans tomorrow and they're going to be relying on those fans for, you know, the rest of the home games. You know, they've got to show some appreciation. They've got to show some respect. It's got to be a two-way street, you know. They, they've got to fight for fight for those fans, fight for that badge, because otherwise, if you know, if, if they don't, then there's every chance to go down. Gav, Joel just alluded to it there in terms of Everton's supporters probably being the best asset the club have got in terms of staying up, which is a, a, a damn statement in itself. But obviously, Everton returned to go to some parts tomorrow to Man United. It's an early kickoff. 
you know, it's a big one on Grand National Saturday. But this is a different feel to this game, isn't it? In terms of, you know, this is not a Man United side that are like the Man United sides that we've seen come to Goodison in the past who've been fighting for the title, fighting on all fronts. This is a Man United team that I haven't you know, watched, watched myself last week against that City. That's there for the take and if Everton turn up and actually have a goal, there's no reason why they can't get three points. Um, yeah, so say the Goodison crowd is our only asset at the moment. Um, <laughs> 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 um, I'm not saying that, I know what you're saying, I wouldn't say there for the taking is is the phrase I'd use. I'd say vulnerable, yeah, definitely. But they turn out to say, well, if we're vulnerable, what an Everton, you know. Um, yeah, it's 12.30 is not an ideal kickoff because we played Wednesday night, isn't it? You know, you know when things conspire against us, the kickoff time is conspired against us we want this game under lights don't we of a Wednesday night and you know not like 2005 um, yeah but I, I, I agree what you're saying is you, we're not playing a Man United team of you know Ferguson's Ferguson standard we're playing a team well we're playing we're playing a club who's just basically a larger version of the bus aren't they, aren't they really on and off the pitch um, equally so um yeah you play the game not the name i suppose is the is is the mantra isn't it and leicester we should have won last week didn't he and leicester only halfway down the table and it was at old trafford the only, the only problem is is that leicester have got better players than us at the moment haven't they and that goes down to quality and we we've got some of our weaknesses united can really take advantage of i mean i think like on, I mean, that right-hand side, how many goals have we conceded where somebody's got to the byline and crossed it, pulled it back off the byline since, you know, Spurs, Crystal Palace twice on Wednesday night. You can see Jaden Sancho playing wide left and really causing chaos down that area, you know. So, United have got the players to, to, uh, to target our weaknesses. But at the same time, they can certainly be, get, be got that, can't they? And, you would hope. Just wondering whether I'd, I'd play Rondon on Saturday, you know. I just think something a little bit more effective up front. Well, but, you know, I, 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 yeah. We'll come back to the team selection very shortly. But be. Oh, okay. I don't want to give. I don't want to give me full full team away now. You know. <laughs> that's, that's, that's embargo till an hour before the kickoff. <laughs> on my, my team selection. Um, but yeah. The, 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 you, you can see it's perfectly feasible we can get something tomorrow, isn't it? Perfectly feasible. Now, not be a win, but even a draw, you'd, I'd, bite, I'd bite your hands off now uh, tomorrow. Uh, so, yeah, we're not we're not playing United of even four or five years ago, are we, really? And I, I just get a little bit tired of this, oh, the fans will, you know, see us over the line and, you know, if that's our only hope, then we have got major problems, and you get get the impression even some of the support maybe sort of thinking, you know, what what's the point of you know getting you know get getting too hot up about the team? So it'd be, it'd be interesting to see what the atmosphere is like tomorrow. To be honest with you, yeah. but I agree, United can be got at. Be your man for all things. Nostalgia when it comes to Everton at the Echo, you're the fountain of knowledge for, for, for the, our classic anniversary pieces. Everton and United have got a rich history of some great Goodison Park battles in the Premier League. You think back to you know Ferguson twice, you know, just certain entries at number four with the, the Champions League, Everton finished fourth. There's been some other big Man United victories in the past. You think of the half 12 on when David Moyes' side won 3 1 when it came from the end, but Berbatov and Brett Hodwell, Dan Gosden were all on target. but they need another one tomorrow, don't they? Bees, Everton needs another vintage Man United performance yeah. to get all to get well, themselves what, the table. Yeah, what we uh, what we've learned from um, from Ranić's press conference today, obviously, um, I think he's got four players st- still still out there: um, Jones, uh, Cavani, uh, McTominay. They they're all out um, t- t- tomorrow, and uh, I think um, who the other one was, but the. Um, the big thing is that um, oh, oh, it's Varane. Varane's still out as well, so that's the quartet who's got missing. But um, Cristiano Ronaldo, who obviously missed the Leicester City game through illness, is back. And if you remember, 
the last time he played at Goodison Park, it was all the way back in October 2008 when Phil Neville put a certain tackle in on his, his former Manchester United um, teammate. Could do with something like that early doors. I mean, uh, providing it's not another red card, which, you know, <laughs> um, given the interpretation of the rules between then and 13 and a half years ago, maybe. But I think you need that. I think that's crucial for Everton. They've started so slowly in so many games this season. As Gav says, we've been the early kickoff. The crowd probably needs something like that, some sort of um, galvanising moment of some sort. Not, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to be a goal. That'd be terrific, but just something they can cling on to and say, "Come on, the lads are up for this today," and 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 so are we. So yeah, whether Ronaldo is playing or, or not, just something of that ilk to sort of get the the crowd on on their feet. And uh, I think it's imperative how Everton start because. If, if they don't sort of have something like that early on, I mean, it, it could be a long afternoon. Talking of press conferences, Joel, you were a Finch farm early for Frank Lampard's press conference and Everton have got a few options back available tomorrow. Michael Keane, Alan, Seamus Coleman should all be our only contentioners as well as Fabian Delph. Would you look to bring any, any of them four in, Joel? Would you look to make some pressure things up, make some changes or to be a case? Yeah, I think, I think they have to. You know, I think that, um, yes. Yeah, I think I think I think Coleman has to come in as much for his personality as, as anything else. And I mean, I know there have been questions about his, his performances this season, largely due to you know, you know due, to, due to his age. But you know, Everton have been conceding goals in his absence from that position. You know, from right back, as I say, you know, Burnley, their second and their third both came down. You know, from from Everton's right hand side. So I think that you have to have him on there. I don't think you lose anything, you know, from a footballing perspective. And I think, you know, one of the things that Frank was talking about today was how much of a leader, how much an impressive personality Coleman is. You know, sadly, we're in a situation where, you know, Everton don't have very many leaders. And, you know, so his leadership qualities are genuinely an impact in the decisions to whether or not to have him on the pitch, I think. It's hard to see a situation where you don't bring Keane back in, I think. Um, again, a player who has struggled at, you know, for form. But probably with Mina's absence, you want him in, in centre-back, either as, either as part of a two or a three, just for, you know, Chris is talking about you know, Ronaldo uh, playing tomorrow as, as is likely. You want players that can manage, you know, you want, that can manage the aerial battle as well as possible. And Ronaldo is someone who is somebody that is, you know, very dangerous in the air at set pieces. And you know, Keane is probably an important attribute in in, in defending those scenarios. So I, I think I'd probably look to bring those two in. I think Alan comes in as well. Like I mean, he's had a break. He must be, you know, must must be fit and rested. You look at that Man United side, and that Man United side, as, as Gav said, is very similar to Everton in the fact that it, they are two sides that are lesser than the sum of their parts. And obviously some of those parts are missing for, for Man United. And you know, McTominay divides opinion, but he's a player who can put a big tackle in and he's missing from that centre midfield. You know, someone like Allen is somebody that can stamp a bit of a presence on in the in that in that middle third, and he's probably someone that can wind up some of those Man United plays that can be got at as well. Um, beyond that, obviously, you know, I, I think you know, Richardson has to. Richardson was, I was going to say, phenomenal. That's that's overstating it, but certainly in that first forty-five minutes against Burnley, you know, on and off the ball, offensively and defensively, he was very good. You know, he caused them no end of problems. And Man United are a side that can be got at, and he is a type of player, again, that can get under their skins and can cause the likes of Harry Maguire and, and some of their defenders problems. So he, he has to start. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not sure about that elsewhere. But, yeah, I, I, I think I'd probably bring Alan Keane and, um, and Coleman in, I think. Gav, you've already floated the idea of, of starting Rondon tomorrow, possibly. Yeah. Did you look at making any changes to what we saw on Wednesday night? No, I was just thinking, who would you drop for Alan? I, I, I think he should come back in. Or move him into defence. Yeah, 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 okay. 
Yeah, I, I'd say with that, Rondon, it's only because we've got a major problem with Carver-Lewin and it's just his efforts at the moment, to be honest with you. Um, I'd agree with all of that that's being said because we've got very few options, really, I suppose. But maybe Rondon for Carver-Lewin. But yeah, it's... it's I, I wish McTominay was on the pitch, actually, because I'd like to see him, him and Alan exchange notes about how <laughs> somebody got... To, one of them got sent off for the tackle <laughs> and somebody... Got stayed on for the pitch for the even worse tackle last yeah. week. You know, you know, we talk about things conspired against it. Um, now I think I can't see anything else in in Seston one. Would if Coleman came back, is he naturally the captain? I, I think, think so. I think so. And I think, yeah, especially okay. bearing in mind the you know, and again, it's 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 to a certain extent, it's 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 tragic that everyone find themselves in this situation where you're potentially picking a player for what he brings to the mental side of things rather than necessarily yeah, on the actual yeah, pitch yeah, itself. Yeah. And it's and you you know you're calling on your biggest asset being your fan base rather than you know anybody on necessarily on that pitch or one you know one of the main strengths. Um so I think Coleman you know, the captaincy. If you don't if you bring him in but don't give him the captain's armband then you yeah. probably question why you're bringing him in in the first place. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I get that. It's just that I've had this thing about whether his own personal form for a while and the responsibilities of captaincy are they too much? Should he just, I've seen that before, just play Seamus. Be, you know, carry on what you are on the pitch. Just play and maybe mm. give the captaincy elsewhere. But no, I, I, I get that. It's just really playing devil's advocate there. Mm. Yeah, no, apart from that, there's not no real options. I mean, I think that's the, the, the fact that this is linked to what we said earlier on. That why doesn't Frank play have many substitutes that come on? <laughs> isn't it? It's the same. It's yeah, the same yeah. answer, isn't it? Really, because actually we haven't got that many options. So we're answering our own question really by saying when we change the team, we're trying to think. Well, two of them players that we're talking about there have well, all three have been out, been out the team for suspension and. Well, two is suspended, one for illness, so it's not as if it's a form thing. Uh, so, yeah, those three definitely be interesting to see, as I say, what he does with Calvert-Lewin, whether, he's on, well, whether Dominic's on the naughty boy step at the moment, perhaps. Um, but, uh, yeah, it'd be... Uh, Rondon should have played Wednesday, but I think uh, I think he'll probably go with Calvert-Lewin tomorrow. One of the things that Neville Southall said on... Um... Yeah, you know, he was giving an interview on Sky yesterday. Was that with every game that Dominic Calvert Lewin doesn't score, the odds of him scoring in the next go up, which I thought was an interesting way of looking at it. But I suppose, you know, I mean, we, we question his effort, and you know, obviously there has been speculation about his future. But yeah, you know, there's been speculation about the future of a couple of those players, and yeah, you know, there probably comes a point where, you know. If 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 for instance any of them did want to move away from Everton, at some point they've actually got to start putting in the performances to to justify yes. uh, you know a, a move. You know, even from a selfish perspective, surely at some point the performances are going to improve if they've got that ability. Because you know, if, if they do want away, well, they, they're not going to having a relegation. I mean, I mean, another thing that we said having a relegation on the CV hasn't proved detrimental to too many of the players in that squad you know they, they've got relegated and still ended up at, at Everton and that might be part of the reason why Everton are in the situation that, that they're in now but it's you know certainly not going to help the likes of Richarlison or, or Dominic Calvert-Lewin if, if they are you know if, if anybody is going to come in for them in the summer yeah Calvert-Lewin I think is sorry Calvert-Lewin I think is six six goals from open play in his last 34 Premier League matches yeah. something like that but he's just probably going to get an odd for you tomorrow. Would you, would you be hanging your hat on him to leap the line? The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Yeah, I think I think I would. I think I would do. But yeah, it is deeply concerning. Ten games now back, isn't it, since he returned in January without a goal. And, you know, I've met Dom a few times. He was always, you know, a bubbly, confident character. And I'm not seeing that. On the pitch at the moment, I mean, Richardson hasn't scored many either until he took those two penalties uh, on Wednesday night. But at least he seemed to be on the end of things. At least he was getting on the end of chances and looking like he might score. 
I mean, it's an interesting. I mean, maybe it's some mathematical formula that Big Nav was using <laughs> that, um, that uh, increases the the chances he'll score in the next game. I don't know, but yeah, I, I would go with him. Uh, but I, yeah, it's concerning. He needs to. He needs to almost go on a Kevin Campbell esque spree. Uh, the, the way it's been going there of late. Yeah, Calvert-Lewin is good enough to. I mean, there are far worse strikers than Calvert-Lewin in his current form that have caused that Man United defence a lot of problems this season. You know, Calvert-Lewin's on song. If Richarlison's on song, you know, if Allen's snapping away in centre midfield, yeah, they're yeah that Man United side is is very vulnerable. They also have players that can produce moments of magic and you know, ten out of ten performances. They're not doing it as often as they, you know, as Man United fans would like, which is why they're in their situation. But, you know, obviously they could do it tomorrow. Hopefully they won't. But, you know, it's it's not a foregone conclusion by any stretch of the imagination tomorrow. You know, again, just like Burnley, just like any other game of season, Everton have got the ability on that pitch, whatever side they put out, to get a positive result. Probably a lot of it where at the moment is whether or not they have that mental fortitude and that character. That's That's perhaps the big issue. I'll start with you, Gab, before we, we wrap up. Yeah. You got a score prediction for tomorrow's game? That's because <laughs> uh, we get stick, because it's always positive and you get stick. <laughs> you know, you can't, you can't, you say we're going to get beat and then we get accused of being negative. And then if you say we're going to win, you get accused of being too positive. And then if you say you're going to draw, you just said like he's a bit of a wet lettuce, you know. <laughs> um, so I'm, from now on, I'm going to be truthful and Say what I think, and I think we got B2 now. There we go. Yeah, I, I think a big, uh, as I sort of alluded to earlier, a, a lot of this depends on how it starts for Everton. I genuinely think we could end up with any of the three score lines um, tomorrow, but I will go for 1-1. One, one. Finally, Joe, have you got any... Well, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to follow a bit of Big Nev's logic. He reckons that with every game that Calvert-Lewin doesn't score, he's more likely to score in the next. So I'm going to say with every game that Everton don't win, they're more likely to win the next. <laughs> yeah, my, um, the first time first time I was at Goodison was uh, February, I remember it was 94, 95, game the 1-0 when Ferguson scored. You know, 1-0 to Everton over, over United. I'm gonna I'm gonna go bold, and we've got all options covered. I'm gonna go three one. I'm gonna go. Oof. I'm gonna go three one to Evan. Wow! I tell, tell you what, Joe, it's, it's the Grand National tomorrow. I bet you I bet you the longest odds horse in the Grand yeah. National. <laughs> it's not not well, as long as odds as the Evan winning three one tomorrow. Perhaps not, but it, I mean, yeah. If if, if it's two thirty tomorrow. We've won three. One. Tell us what your national. Yeah. Is. And I'll give you the lottery numbers. Yeah. Give me, well, give me the it. logic. Yeah. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. We will leave things there on that bombshell. Joe Thomas score prediction. Oh, you haven't score. given us your prediction. I'm going to go for two. One Everton. I'll spend that for all that. I feel a bit guilty now. I haven't said. <laughs> 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 <You know. laughs> But no, we will leave we will leave things there. Thanks very much, guys, for joining me. You've been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast, and we will be back on Wednesday, on Monday, sorry, to discuss the Man United game, the relegation battle, and all the fallout from Saturday's fixtures, and hopefully be celebrating a Joe Thomas score prediction correct, Ardo, and we'll all be in town on the beers after a few mm-hmm. pints after watching Everton win. But thank you for listening this afternoon. I've been Conor O'Neill, your host, joined by Gav Buckland, Chris Beasley, and Joe Thomas. You've been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast. You've been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.